May I be the first to say happy Vision Sunday. That's what we're doing today. Today is Vision Sunday, uh, and we are... It's such a unique day. We gave you different bulletins. I hope that arrested your attention when you came in. If you're a guest and you have no idea what we're talking about, we're glad that you're here. Praise God for you. We're glad that you decided to come and worship with us today. We pray that you not only feel welcome, but you feel loved because we are children of the King. We are children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love. And so we extend our love to you. We're glad that you're here today. But this is certainly, of all Sundays, you know, God always does something unique and amazing and refreshing. But I do believe that today is unique of all the unique Sundays because it's Vision Sunday. We're going to be looking at the topic of vision today uh, in our message this morning in our worship service. But then today, from 3 to 7, we're going to have a special session here to talk about Vision Sunday, there are four key areas that as a church body, we want to talk about what does 2020 and beyond look like. Listen to me, friends, you don't have to be a member to come to that. If, if you've been here once, if this is your first time and you're thinking to yourself, this place is amazing. God is touching my heart. These people are friendly. This might be a place that I really want to come to on a regular basis. Come today because we're going to be talking about not just what we do on Sunday mornings, but who we are. The DNA of who we are and where it is that we're going and where it is that we sense that God is leading us. If you're not a member, but you've been here a first season, you don't have to be a member to come tonight. We want you to come. We want you to discover where it is that we're going. Uh, It certainly is fun to worship together and just to belt out these amazing songs and hymns and pray together and study the word together. But coming today from three to seven, we'll talk to you a lot about the identity behind what it is that we're doing. So I really want to invite you to come from 3 to 7. We, we have, well, we have food. <laughs> and it's free. So we hope that, we hope that you'll come to that. But uh, here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to open to Luke chapter 8. Uh, we are thinking about the idea of vision even this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 8, for those of you who grew up in the church or you have a lot of experience Uh, being in the church and studying the Bible. This is that story about Jesus calming the storm. Uh, The disciples are out on the boat and Jesus is with them. And all of a sudden, this incredibly serious storm pops up. And what do you do? What happens? And that's that's the one we're talking about. If you're a guest and you don't know what I'm talking about, I hope that by the end of today, you will at least know one story from the Bible that truly will shape how you view God, how you understand yourself, and a little bit about what it means to live inside of the kingdom of God. Uh, If you are a guest, you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. This is our gift to you. We believe the best investment that we can make is the investment of God's word. And uh, you can either come up afterwards and grab this one out of my hand or there's some in the back that you can grab off the bookshelf. We'd love to give you uh, this Bible. Uh, But this morning we're in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start reading in verse 22. So Luke chapter 8, verse 22, here's what the Word of God says. It says, one day he, he being Jesus, one day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he, again being Jesus, fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were 
filling with water and were in danger. I just want to stop for a second and make a point. You know how sometimes people overreact? I just created a fight. I'm sorry. (laughs) Couples are nudging one another. Please don't do that, okay? But people overreact sometimes. They, they, it's really a two and they think it's a four. They think it's a seven or they think it's a 10. Here's what I want you to understand about the scripture. The disciples were not overreacting. If you've never been in a boat and a storm blow in and water start filling the boat, you cannot comprehend how much they were not overreacting. I've been in that situation in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico and we're deep sea fishing. And I have this Cajun uncle. His name is Uncle Gerald. His last name is Shinye. And he is just from the swamps of Louisiana. And I've never seen him wear a life jacket. Now, I'm not saying that's good. Boys and girls, look at me. Always wear your life jacket. Okay? I'm not saying that's a good thing. But he grew up in the swamps and fishing. And he never wore a life jacket. And I'll never forget the day that our boat started taking water. We had some divers who went down. And they were down there uh, looking around at the fish. And they were so deep that they didn't know that a storm had blown in. And so the storm is blowing and we're just praying like, Lord, could you just bring them back to the surface? Because we look and our boat is taking in water. So we've got this storm that's filling our boat with water. We can't leave. We're starting to think about it, right? Because we've got... <laughs> and, and I'm looking at my uncle. And I'm take, as a child, I'm taking my social cues from him. Right? You know how you do that when you're a child? If your dad is solid, if your mom is solid, you're good. And I look at my uncle... And he reaches down and puts on his life jacket. And I think to myself, something is bad wrong. So I'm just telling you, until you, obviously everything was okay. Here I am, right? I mean, everything turned out okay. They came to the top. We got them in the boat. We came back. But here's what I want you to understand. Until you have lived in this, you don't understand how much they're not overreacting. Like the boat was filling with water. Okay, back to the scripture. So the boat was filling with water and they were in danger and they went and woke Jesus up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Now, if you didn't grow up in the, in church, you don't know what the word perishing means. It just means we are dying. Master, Master, we are about to die. That's what they say to Jesus. And Jesus woke up And he rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased. And then there was a calm and he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waters and they obey him? Now we're talking about vision this morning, but before we do that, it would be a sin for me to pass over a couple of things that I really think is important for us to establish in our life right now. And, and, and one of them is this. There are people here 
who feel like Jesus is sleeping through their storm. When you think about that for a second, because we can slip into the same pattern of these disciples where we start thinking, Jesus doesn't care. He's sleeping through my storm. I need to shake him and wake him up and let him know what's going on. Jesus, master, master, I'm dying over here. You're sleeping through this. One of the most important things that we could take away from this morning is to understand that this Bible clearly teaches that Jesus has all authority, all power, all ability. And if he can calm the storms in the natural world and in real life, he can calm the storms in my heart. That's important for us to get this morning. We're going to move in a second and start thinking about and talking about vision. But before we do that, oh, my soul, hear that. Jesus has the power to calm the storm. That's important. That is theologically significant, but it's also practically important for your life. When the storm hits, where are you running to? When the storm hits, where are you running? Now, me think this morning, uh, what does this story have to do with vision? Let's talk about that. I think to really talk about that, it's important for us to be working from the, all together the same definition of vision. So I want to explain to you when I use the word vision this morning and this afternoon what I mean. Vision is direction with a purpose. Vision is a direction with a purpose. Now, some of you may say, well, I've been going in a lot of different directions and, I, and I'm missing the purpose part, right? We've been there before where we're, uh, we feel like we're a hamster in a wheel. There's a lot of uh, movement or we feel like we're riding a bike in circles. There's a lot of uh, movement and direction, but there's no real purpose. Here's what I want you to understand. This is true in your own life as you lead your own home to follow the ways of Jesus. This is also true of the church. We can't just be a busy bunch of people. We need to be busy, laser focused on the purpose to which God has called us. We want to expend our energy, not on good things, but on great things that God has called us to accomplish. So when we think about vision, we're talking about direction with a purpose. And you may be looking at me saying, well, who are you to decide what the vision of the church is? That's fair. I'm a nobody to decide the vision of the church. You know, there's three types of vision. There's the pastor's vision, there's the congregation's vision, and then there's God's vision. And if we adopt the pastor's vision, we're destined to fail and not be all that we need to be for one another and all that we need to be for the community. And if we adopt the congregation's vision, we're destined to fail and not be everything that we need to be for one another and who we need to be for the community. So then there's only one left, and that's God's vision for the fellowship. And we're really not, we're really not talking about a new purpose because our purpose is set for me. You see it printed in documents. You see it referenced from time to time. Some people call it the mission statement. Some people call it an identity statement. We are a loving community of people building up followers of Jesus, sharing Christ everywhere we go. That's who we are. That is our purpose. We don't have to supply that. God has supplied that for us. Now, if you go back and look in the scripture in Luke chapter 8, the reality is 
Sometimes we know what our purpose is. We know what our direction is, but we don't know all the exact information. What's interesting about this text is that Jesus gets in the boat with them and says, let's go to the other side. And that's all he says. He doesn't say when we get to the other side, we're going to get out of the boat and this demon possessed man is going to come running right at us. And he's going to fall down at my feet and I'm going to exercise the demons out of his body. And then the demons are going to go into this herd of swine and they're going to run off the edge of the cliff and drown. And then all the people are going to come out and see how powerful I am. He didn't tell them all of that. You know why? Because they probably would have chickened out. But I want you to understand what vision is. Vision is direction with purpose. And this isn't just something that's important for the church. This is important for the church. This isn't just something that's important for the organizational structure of us that we call the fellowship. This is important for you in your home to be moving in a specific direction with a God-given purpose. And so if you have your notes, if you have that white Vision Sunday bulletin, you see that we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to talk about the dangers and the blessings. So let's talk about the dangers first. There are two of them. And the first danger that we want to look at this morning is the danger of distance. If you're making notes, write down the danger of distance. And if you'll notice in the scripture, Jesus actually rebukes the disciples. He looks at them. And he says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? They get rebuked right in the middle, right in the middle of the lake on the boat. They just saw Jesus do this incredible miracle. And Jesus says, where is your faith? So these disciples are rebuked. And I I acknowledge that. But one of the things that I want for us to do with these rebuked disciples is to learn from them because it's true they got rebuked, but there's a lot of good stuff for us to learn from them. Here's one of the things that we learn from them. The disciples never forgot when they were in the boat in the middle of the storm that Jesus was close. That's a key point for these disciples. Now, is he asleep? Yes, Do they get uh, fearful? Yes. Do they feel like they have to shake him and wake him up and get him to fix their problems? Yes. But they never forgot that Jesus was taking that journey with them. That's a powerful, powerful idea when we're about the work of God that we never forget that he's right in the boat with us. Here's the reality. Sometimes we get so focused on direction and vision and purpose and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and journey challenge and then this challenge and we're all going in the same direction. We forget that this incredible blessing of just walking with God is the greatest thing. It's a marvelous thing. It's a healing thing. And so sometimes we face the danger of distance. We are so focused on getting something done that we forget God's presence is near to us. Now, I'm not saying that God's presence is not near to us in that time. I'm saying we forget that it's there. We forget that we have access to the King of glory. 
We forget that Jesus is nearby. That beautiful, we're going to be looking at it in the month of February, that beautiful passage of the Great Commission where Jesus says, go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to obey me. And and then he says to his disciples, and I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Powerful promise. We have the nearness of God. Sometimes we forget it because we're too busy being focused on the next thing. We're too busy being busy that we don't remember that the God who created us is walking this path with us. The other day, I was on an airplane and I was going to go do a function. And so I land and I go to get a car. And I go check in for the car and they say, well, here's your keys, Mr. Nicholson. Anyone you want to choose over there is fine. And, um, you know, thanks for working with us. And so I go and I look around the car. You know, you're supposed to do look for dance and all of that. And I'm like, well, it looks good. And so I go to open the car and there's the spider on the seat. I consider myself to be a pretty macho guy. But one thing's, one of the things that Pastor Zach doesn't do is spiders. So um, I do this, you know, I look around. Like, is anybody watching me right now? And I give it a, you know, I try to knock it down. Well, the door is open and, I, and I'm trying to hit it out of the door, but I don't. And I know it falls like down over by the pedals or whatever. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to do it. You know, like, ah, what do you do, you know? So he's okay, God, I belong to you. I trust you. This is a storm in my life. Here we go. Let's do this. So I get in and get my phone out and plug it in and put the music on and get my little maps out. And my maps start telling me to turn left and right. And I'm jamming the music. And I completely forgot about this spider. And um, just so you understand what I'm talking about, do this. Just briefly, would you just lean, just look over to your right? See how you can see the very corner of your shoulder? <clears throat> you see that? If you just do like that, you can see. You can't see much here, but you can see the corner of your shoulder. You see, I was so focused on what I was doing that I forgot who was with me. <laughs> And I want you to remember that. I want you to remember. And, and this, is, this is the part that we affirm in the life of the disciples. They weren't so busy or so distracted that they didn't remember that Jesus was in the boat with them. They knew that he was with them. And so as we think about vision and what's next and what is our strategy for the next gr- spiritual growth step for the life of the church and you know, to, to this afternoon, we're talking about finances and we're talking about Bible study. We're talking about missions. We're talking about goals for ourselves for 2020. Here's what we can't do. We can't be so busy that we get uh, that that we we forget that we are walking with God. We, we can't fall to the danger of distance. It's important. The second danger is the danger of distraction. And I want to say this briefly and then we'll move on. I want you to understand this, that you can be walking in the will of God, perfectly in step with the Spirit, moving towards God's vision for your life, walking in His direction, following His purpose, 
using the gifts that he's given you, putting on the full armor of God, and storms will still pop up. And what's important is not whether or not the storm happens. What's important is, does the storm distract us from what God has called us to? We're going to see in a second when we look at some of the blessings of vision exactly what happens uh, when the disciples uh, get distracted. Now, you may be thinking, I don't see them getting distracted. They're going across the lake. A storm pops up. And 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 I understand that it, it can be hard to really see this in the text because they do everything that we preachers tell people to do. When you see the storm in life, what are you supposed to do? Run to Jesus. And when you get in the presence of Jesus, what are you supposed to do? Submit yourself to him. They called him master. They said, master, master, wake up, master. We need you. But they got distracted from the vision because they didn't wake him up and say, Jesus, here's the thing, Jesus. You said we're going to the other side. We know we're going to get there. But we're a little uncomfortable with the storm, so we don't know what you're going to do. But we know that you're going to do something. We, we'd we like for you to do it now. We intercede on behalf of our brothers. If you could do something now. I believe if they would have done that, they would not have been rebuked. The reason they were rebuked is because they got distracted from what God told them was going to happen. He said, we're going to the other side. And in the middle of the storm, they cry out to Jesus and they don't believe him anymore. They say, we're dying right here in the middle of the lake. We're dead. That's why they got rebuked. Because they got distracted. They stopped believing in the direction and in the vision of where Jesus all ready committed to them that they were going to go. So in the storms of your life, run to Jesus. Call out to the Master. But make sure that the storm doesn't distract you and cause you to stop believing what the Lord has already promised through His Word. It's important. Two dangers. The danger of distance and the danger of distraction. And I have a commitment that we're ending on a high note today. So we're going to pivot and go to the blessings. I want to share with you four blessings of vision. We've looked at the dangers. We've looked at the temptations. We're tempted to forget that we're in the boat, so to speak, with Jesus. That we're on this journey with the very presence of God. He's with us at all times. We understand the temptation uh, to to be distracted and be so focused on the storm that we stop believing what God has already said to us through the Word of God. But let's enjoy the blessings of vision. There are four of them. And the first one is leadership. We have the leadership of God in our life. The good news about vision is this. God always is the one to provide direction. Now we have multi-layers of leadership at the fellowship. We have our elders We have our staff. We have all the different ministry leaders and teams. We have a lot of voices involved in discerning and articulating and communicating 
the direction of the church. But can I just be clear to you? It is up to God himself. God is sovereign. He is the one who chooses a direction. It was true in Luke chapter 8. Notice, go back to verse uh, the, the first verse that we were looking at. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Here's what the scripture says. One day, Jesus gets in the boat with them and says, let's go to the other side. It wasn't the disciples that decided to go to the other side. It was the Lord Jesus. But they put out and they began to do it. Now, again, this is true not only on the family of God level, but in your in your own home as well. When we think about vision, we have the blessing of leadership. Because God has made a promise to his people that as they obey and follow, he will lead his people. Now, this is not a new idea in the New Testament. And there's a scripture in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord, right? With all of your heart, lean not. Do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge God and He will guide you in the right way. He will make your path straight. There's another scripture in in, uh, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 19 verse 21. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart. Isn't that true? Every day that you wake up, we've got all these plans. I'm going to do this and I'm going to conquer that and I'm going to try this and I'm going to branch out. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. The blessing of leadership. God always provides the direction. Now that can be hard for some of us. Because we have been pumped full in our brain and our heart with the idea that you make your own decisions. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. Don't let anybody tell you where to go. You make your own decisions. You don't submit to anybody. As Elise said, this, uh, as she was leading in worship, that, that advice to follow your heart. You cannot do that and follow the leadership of God at the same time. You say, wait a second, my heart belongs to God. That's true. And when we are really connected with God, then uh, theologically speaking, there's a way that uh, our hearts are pointed towards God and, and our hearts want the things of God. But I think it's important for us to just remember that when we're talking about vision, we have the blessing of God's leadership in our life, we also have the blessing of accountability. And and for some of us, it's hard to maybe write the word accountability uh, under the section of blessing because it's similar to what I just mentioned that some of us have a hard time yielding uh, to say, God, whatever you want. But I would suggest to you that accountability is a great blessing in the kingdom of God. Because you see the, the, the tail end of this story. Look what happens when Jesus provides the accountability for the disciples that they so desperately need because this storm that was real and dangerous but caused them to stop believing the voice of God and start believing what the storm was telling them. And, and Jesus corrects them, says, where is your faith? He, he provides accountability for them. And look at the way the story ends. These disciples are filled with wonder. They marvel. They're filled with fear. 
And look at what they say. Who then is this? Who then is this? That he commands even winds and water and they obey him. My hope is that on December 31st of 2020, that's where we would be. We would say, who is this? It's not as though we don't know Jesus. It's not as though we don't follow him. But Lord, we've never seen you do anything like this among us. And they got there because of the accountability, because of the rebuke. I want to give you a challenge. Can I do that? Can I challenge you this morning? I challenge you to start praying this prayer. Lord, hold me accountable and rebuke me when I don't believe you. It's hard to want that because there's this implication that I've gone astray. But in your professional life, what would have happened if nobody would have ever held you accountable? In your home life, when you were growing up, what would have happened if nobody, a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, an older brother, sister, never held you accountable? You wouldn't grow. You would continue to make the same mistakes over and over. That's why I call it a blessing. I think the accountability that God gives to us is an incredible blessing. Let's be brave and say, God, in 2020, when we stray from your vision, rebuke us. Hold us accountable. Do the same thing for us that you did for the disciples. The third blessing is, is the blessing of ability. The blessing of ability. Maybe at this point, as we think about vision, and we think about doing things for God and moving forward in the life of the church, you may be uh, excited in your heart, but in your brain, you're fighting with yourself because you're thinking, I just don't have a ton of skills. I can't preach. I can't teach the Bible. I can't do all of these things that I see happen at the fellowship on a regular basis. Let me just encourage you and promise you one thing. If you have the ability to trust God and you have the ability to obey the direction of Jesus, you have everything that you need to help this church move forward in accomplishing the purpose and the mission that we have. These disciples were not superhero Christians. They weren't, uh, they, they weren't uh, next level believers. They were people that had the same problems that you and I have. They struggled with doubt. They, they struggled with belief. They made mistakes. They stumped their toes. Right. They did all of these. They had all of these issues that we have as well. And yet God used them in a mighty way. You may be thinking, I don't have the ability. I don't have what it takes to help the collective effort for the vision of this church to move forward as we desire to be better, being a, a loving community, better at, at building up followers of Jesus, better at sharing Christ everywhere, sharing Christ everywhere we go. And here's what I would say to you. You do. You do. Because for these disciples, all they had to do was to get in the boat and push off and go to where Jesus was saying to go. The blessing of ability. You have the ability to do what it is that God wants you to do. We tell ourselves that we don't. The enemy 
preaches to us that we don't. Our past mistakes yell out to us from history that we don't, but we do. Because it depends on trust and it depends on obedience. Those are the things that God uses to move mountains and to change the world. And if you can bring trust and obedience to the Lord to the table, there's no telling what God can do with us. The fourth blessing is the blessing of unity. When we are together on mission, in vision, going in a specific direction for a specific purpose, there's the blessing of unity that quite frankly cannot be articulated. It's hard to put into words the beauty of moving together in unity under the authority of Jesus Christ, shaped by his word. And it's not just unity and location. You know, being together in one room doesn't mean that you're unified. The fact that these disciples just happened to be in the same place at the same time doesn't mean that they were in unity. What unified them is that they all had surrendered their life to Jesus They all were seeking to actively follow him in their life. And they all were desiring to obey him in going to the other side of the lake. So I wrote down three ways uh, that we can experience unity. And the first most basic is location. The second is leadership. We are unified under the leadership of Jesus. And the third is purpose. These disciples had that type of unity. And I believe that that's important for us to have as well. And the million-dollar question before we close this morning, the million-dollar question is this. Will you get in the boat with us? Will you get in the boat? We can look at all of this. We can think about it theologically. We can think about it philosophically. We We can talk an awful lot about it. But for our church to move forward in vision, in direction with purpose, we have to move beyond thinking about it. We have to get in the boat. And so I ask you, are you ready to get in the boat? And you say, well, what does that mean? That sounds scary. It is a little scary to be honest with you because God is God. You never know what he's going to do, but we believe. We believe that we have a clear path for 2020. We believe that 2020 is to be better than 2019. We believe that all of the spiritual growth that we've worked so hard for, all of the ways that we've prayed for our neighbors, all of the ways that we personally have grown, we believe that God wants to take that and add to that. And we believe that 2020 It's going to be better than 2019. The question is, will you get in the boat? I'm sure right now there's some other questions as well. But come and come and journey with us tonight, today from three to seven. Uh, We're going to close with prayer. So would you stand up and let's just pray a little bit before we close our time. As you stand and bow for prayer.
I just want to read through the dangers, the blessings. Beware of the danger of distance where we get so busy, so focused on doing and doing and doing that we forget that the presence of the Lord is among us. As you bow for prayer, would you remember the danger of distraction? That although the issues in your life are real, they're serious. Maybe health storms. Maybe financial storms. Maybe relationship storms. Those are real storms. They're important. But the danger is to be distracted. And to stop believing God because of those Are you ready to celebrate and enjoy the blessings of vision together? The blessing of leadership, the blessing of accountability, the blessing of ability, the blessing of unity. Lord, we close our time this morning thanking you for the gift of vision, but pausing and praying about the storms that we're faced with on a daily basis. My storm and the storms that my family will face is different than so many others. Our storms are different. The winds blow differently and the dangers that they present are different. But, but you never change, God. And so as we sense the excitement of a new year and casting vision for a new year and seeking to go where it is that you want for us to go and feeling the nervous excitement over what that will be, we acknowledge that there are so many things in life that fight for our attention. And in this very moment, to the very best of our ability, we cry out to you, Master, Master. We cry out to you, Lord, Lord. We don't cry out from a spirit of disbelief. We cry out from a spirit of trust and obedience. We know that you see the storm. We know that you have power over the storm. We confess to you that we don't know what it is that you will do to rescue us but we trust you we believe you we hope in you we run to you we find our shelter in you we find our hope in you we find our identity in you we find our joy in you may we never be a people that lose our way because we get distracted from our storms we love you, Lord. We are thankful for such a special and sweet and rich morning of worshiping and seeking you, hearing from your word. Thank you for the way that you provided vision for the disciples, for providing direction, for humanizing for us this matter of following you with all of our heart and soul. As we close this morning and process 
as we look forward to this afternoon, we close with a, with a feeling of excitement. You are bigger than our storms. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen.